0: Coming to you live from the New York City studios, Joe D'Aluizio here. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. Thank you so much for listening. For those of you who are new, welcome aboard, enjoy, stick around. Hope you come back for some more like our loyal listeners. I always have to thank them. But it's Monday. It's the beginning of the week. And most importantly, once again, back to back, belly to belly, it is a victory Monday for the Green Bay Packers as they improve to 10-3 on the season with their 20-15 to 15 victory over the Washington Redskins. 20-15, to 15. yeah, we'll get into all of that. As we do on every Monday podcast, I'll give you the good, I'll give you the bad. And a little later, before I wrap up, I'll have my Week 14 headlines where we run through the NFL. Even though you probably already know the uh, all the scores by now, still, let's sprinkle in a little bit of... Uh, every other NFL organization in the podcast, but we start in Lambeau. We start about Sunday's victory, 20-15, to 15. and before we dive into the good and the bad, congratulations Matt LaFleur, the rookie head coach, becomes the first head coach in Green Bay Packers history to win 10 games in their season, the previous record was held by the Mike duo, Mike Holmgren and Mike Sherman, both of those um, head coaches in their first year, both won nine games. So Matt LaFleur, congratulations, kudos to you. And I think I've said this a lot lately, and I've said it overall as we dive deeper into the season we, um, and we look back at the season as a whole altogether. If you would have told me right when Green Bay hired Matt LaFleur that they would be a 10-win team in year number one, I would have said, yeah, right. If you, even after the free agent signings, I would have probably still said, yeah, right, expecting there to be some some more of a learning curve. And there still is. We, we're seeing it now. Um, it, it's pretty evident right now. We're seeing that there is a there still is a learning curve, especially on the offense. But who expected the defense to be as as good, as dominating. Who expected Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith and even Adrian Amos to come in and make an impact immediately? So to be able to become a head coach in the NFL and in, in year one win 10 games, you deserve some recognition. You deserve some praise because there are not many people that thought that Green Bay would be where they are right now as of December 9th, the recording date. There are not many people who, who really would have predict- predicted this. And if you did, you should play the lotto and I hope you win. So, in the preview podcast, I predicted something around the lines of a 35-17 Green Bay Packers completely demolish, completely outplay the Washington Redskins. And, and we didn't get that, even though I, I, I thought that we were on pace for a potential thumping because of the quick 14 nothing start. But then the offense fizzled out. And they fizzled out big time. And this isn't the first time. This may not be the last time that we see this. With that being said though, 10 wins is 10 wins. Both Aaron Rodgers, there's guys in the locker room, Matt LaFleur, they all recognize that 10 wins is worth celebrating at this point, And at any point really. No matter how it happens, it could be ugly. It could be pretty. It could be convincing. It could be by luck. But ten wins is ten wins. You're not gonna ask. You're not gonna ask for forgiveness when you win. Okay. Aaron Rodgers said this perfectly in the post game. Quote: I can't really tell you what what the magic recipe is moving forward, but I can tell you it really feels good to be ten and three. It feels good to be on that side where you're answering questions about how can you be more dynamic after a win rather than what the hell is going on with the team. And those questions are still coming in, okay? Especially with the way that the offense is playing. Specifically, everyone other than Aaron Jones. Because he doesn't deserve to get lumped into what the hell is going on with the offense. But Rodgers went on to continue to say, nobody expected us to be 10 wins at this point in really probably the entire season. It's easier to rip on a squad that's not doing well, or maybe give them a little break because they're they've got a first year coach and moving pieces and new players. But I'm proud of what Matt's brought. Uh, but I'm proud of what Matt's brought to the table. Proud of the leadership of the football team, and I'm pretty happy to be three, uh, to be ten and three at this point. And he's right. You look at how the Packers have played as of late. You you may be still very upset and disgusted with how they won this game. You may even go back to last week again, uh, 2 weeks ago against the Giants and how it you know, it started off hot and it fizzled out there. But at the end of the day, the Green Bay Packers are at 10 3. They still have a one a one game lead over the Vikings for the NFC North division. Their final 3 games are coming against the divisional opponent Chicago. First Chicago at home, the final home game of the season coming up next week. Minnesota and Detroit. That Minnesota game, I would assume, is for the division at this point. And more importantly, at 10-3, the Green Bay Packers control their own destiny. And they control their own destiny for a first-round bye. So right now, if the season ended and the playoffs started tomorrow, they'd be the number two seed. And they have, that. for those of you wondering, yes, they have the same record as the Saints, but they own the tiebreaker based on the win-loss percentage, throw-in tie, win-loss tie percentage um, amongst conference games against the Saints. And that loss, yes, uh, on Sunday from the Saints by uh, the 49ers certainly helped that. So if they win out, if Green Bay wins out, takes care of business in the division sweeps the division they will avoid the wild card round for the first time in 2014 so yeah it it's it, it is frustrating when you see how well Aaron Jones is playing right it is frustrating when you see how how good this defense could be and when you see 20 to 15 against a 3 and 19 all right it's frustrating that they're not dominating like they should be But when you look at the big picture, it really isn't that bad. It really could be a lot worse. Okay? Because look at how competitive the entire NFC is right now, other than the NFC East, because the NFC East is an absolute disgrace. But you look at the whole conference overall, and you consider the position that the Green Bay Packers are in, it could be a lot worse. And think about it, right? The Vikings are nine and four. The Saints are ten and three. Look at the West. Eleven and two, ten and three, eight and five. The fact that you control your own destiny and could potentially avoid playing on wild card weekend when you read the list of teams that I just read, that says a lot. So yeah, it might not be the best. You might be watching a perfect football team. But you are watching a 10 team win who can destiny and could possibly be number two seed in the NFC come playoff time. And now you're also starting, which I find interesting, you're starting to see a lot of comparisons by from that 2010 team, which, of course, went on to the Super Bowl and, and won the Super Bowl. Okay, so the 2010 Green Bay Packers through week 14 23 and a half points per one win versus five, 500 opponents. One win versus plus 500 opponents. Fast forward to now. Nine years later, through week 14. 23.8 points per game. Scoring right around the same. But here's the kick. Six wins versus plus 500 opponents. many people. We go back to that 2010. Not many people gave that team a shot. And look. I think that same conversation... Is circling back right now. Not many people are giving this team a shot. Not many people are saying the Green Bay Packers could win the Super Bowl because of what's going on with this offense. You know, I'm not again. I'm not gonna sit here and say I was happy Sunday's win and jumping up on an excitement because yeah, we're moving to ten and three. That game was frustrating as hell to watch. But at this point, the big picture is what counts. And the big picture is you got ten wins and you got three losses. There are a lot of teams in the NFL now that wish they could say they had ten wins, losses, and control their own destiny. All come down the final three weeks. It's time to figure it out. Absolutely. But it comes down to the regional weeks, and it starts this week at home against Chicago. But let's jump in the bed from Sunday's win over the Redskins. And I got a couple, a couple for each. No particular so or something. That's not like number one is the best thing and the, the, the most impressive thing or the worst thing that I saw. Uh, so let's start with the good. I thought the quick start was very important. I thought that was going to be the key to this game. Um, it's getting out early. And making Haskins have to throw the ball. Right? He's been horrible. The Redskins offense in general has been horrible. Make this kid come out and throw the ball. I was actually surprised at how much Haskins threw the ball early compared to to running the ball. I thought Washington gave him a ton of opportunities really early to throw the ball when they should have probably pounded the rock a little bit better. Because I think they started to get a little bit of mojo going once the run game started going. And not that they had a, a super successful day on the ground. But they had some good runs. There's no doubt about it. They had some really good runs. They ran for 121 yards on the day. Darius Guy, of course, unfortunately, ends up getting hurt. But before he, ha- he got hurt, five carries <clears throat> for 42 yards. It's about eight yards of carry. Adrian Peterson. We talked about him last week. 20 carries for 76 yards and a score. If Guys doesn't get hurt, doesn't get hurt. And and Green Bay's offense plays the same way that they did. It, it would have been really interesting to see what happened late in that game. But I, I was shocked that Haskins had as many opportunities early when it was still close. But it may have it may have been that fear factor of he's got to get going now, otherwise we're doomed. And in those in those first couple of drives, so Green Bay scores on their opening drive, they end up punting and then scoring again. I thought it was a a good mix of run and pass. But more importantly than than the play, the play selection, the play call, everything was set up with the punt return. And that definitely deserves to be highlighted in the good category. Tyler Irvin in his first game as as a Green Bay Packer guy just gets added last Monday and he made an immediate impact for a position that has done absolutely nothing which was on pace for shattering an NFL record. If, If Tyler Irvin plays like he did in game one, the rest of the way out, Green Bay will not hold the record for the least amount of yards on punt return. But his presence was known immediately. He had four, four returns 10 yards, 12 yards, 18, and 11. You look at those numbers 10, 12, 18, and 11, and they don't jump out, jump off the chart. But when you watch what Green Bay has had back there, all four of those punt returns feel like 20 plus yards. And you don't really think about it. But it all comes full circle once it's it's the same thing with with J.K. Scott and his punts. Pinning people deep, forcing teams to go 60, 65, 70 plus yards down the field. It's not easy. So on his opening punt return, He takes it 10 yards Two punt returns later 18 yards Both of those in TD drives The Packers had to go 50 yards 57 yards I mean I don't want to I don't mean to sound Philosophical Throw some cliches into the podcast But this is a game of inches And every yard is important And if you only have to go Half The field to score 7 or put points on the board compared to 3 quarters of the field you have an advantage there so after one game it is refreshing to see the positive yards coming from the punt return and hopefully it continues we can't talk about the good without talking about the best player for the Green Bay Packers in Sunday's game And you could throw him in the conversation for Green Bay's best offensive player this season, and that's Aaron Jones. Once again, he had himself a day doing both things, running out of the backfield, catching passes out of the backfield. 16 carries for a career-high 134 yards, one score, six receptions, 58 yards. The offense is so much better when Aaron Jones and the run game is going. We knew Matt LaFleur was going to come into Green Bay and get these running backs going. He has gotten Aaron Jones going. We are seeing... It's amazing thinking and watching Aaron Jones play the way he's playing right now and knowing that he was on the roster last season yet wasn't... come. The, the production was... It's like night and day. It's like he's a completely new player this season. It's refreshing to see. The offensive line deserves just as much credit as Aaron Jones creating those opportunities. I'll throw out another guy, Jay Kummerow. Jay Kummerow, go back and watch Aaron Jones' 42-yard run. Jay Kummerow blocks landing Collins. My God, I thought he was going to drive him back to Washington. What a secure block to open up the hole. Aaron Jones sees it. Off to the race as we go. 42 yards. Jones has been magnificent. 779 yards on the on the ground. 15 total touchdowns. Without him, right, without the production that you're getting from him in both the pass game and the run game, I think that's where you would have legit offensive concerns. I think your, your concern level, your concern meter... Would almost be breaking at this point if Aaron Jones wasn't having the year that he's having. This says a lot about Aaron Jones and the f- and his possible future with the Green Bay Packers. And he's really saving this team because without him, I think Rodgers is answering questions with what the hell's going, what's wrong with this team, right? Goes back to what he said after the win. He'd rather be answering questions on how can you be more dynamic after a win. Not what the hell's wrong with this team. If it wasn't for Aaron Jones right now, he'd be answering the latter. So kudos to Jones. On to the bad. I think this is obvious. And the bad isn't necessarily one, two players, right? I think it's overall, we could say the offense. Overall offense, we're going to loop Aaron Rodgers into that. And it's tough including Rodgers in this category. But, but he definitely deserves to be in this category after Sunday's game. 18 for 28. 195 yards. He just wasn't good. At times... And, and you can't say... You cannot say... It's unfair to say he didn't have time to throw the ball. He went up against... A really good front. There's no denying that. He went up against a really good front that's been the reason why the Redskins had been playing much better. But the offensive line gave him a lot of time to throw the ball. The offensive line, I thought, did a decent enough job. I thought they gave him opportunities to sit back and throw the ball and find somebody. And I don't know if we could pin this all on Rodgers. I don't think it's uh I don't think it's fair to pin it all on Rodgers. I think the wide receivers deserve some blame for this. Because if guys aren't getting open, guys aren't getting open. But at the same time, when Rodgers is sitting back there. It just it, it gets it gets a little frustrating when nobody's getting open and he has five or six seconds and then things just fall apart. He had some noticeable miss throws that I think if he hits these throws, it's a completely, completely different game if he makes these plays. One of them to Jimmy Graham, and he also overthrew Aaron Jones. Both of those potentially touchdowns both of those potential t- touchdowns. And again, he hits even one of those, we may not be talking about the offensive struggles that this team had. We we may not be discussing it if he makes one of them. If he if he hits both of them, without a doubt, we aren't talking as much about the offensive struggles. But it's now five games in a row where you're kind of looking at Aaron Rodgers saying, what's going on? Right? Aaron Nagler posted a great clip on Twitter. Um, Aaron Rodgers drops back to pass, has plenty of throws. He's looking for the deep ball. Okay, you want to go deep. Sends everyone deep. Nobody's open. Has the check down, which would have gained some yardage, ends up getting sacked. I mean, sometimes settling with that check down, keeping the ball moving, keeping momentum going, isn't a bad thing. And that's what's frustrating when watching him. But here's Ro- here's here are Roger's stats in the past five games, including this Washington game. We'll work backwards. Week 14, 18 for 28, 195, one touchdown. Week 13, on the road against the Giants, 20, 21 for 33, 243, four touchdowns. San Fran, 20 for 30, 104, one touchdown. Week 10, 17, 29, 233 against Carolina, no touchdowns. LA Chargers, 23 of 35, 161, one touchdown. So, over the last five games, there are four ...out of the five games where he threw one or less touchdowns. Three of the five he's thrown for under 200 yards. We know what the NFL is. The NFL is a passing league. The NFL is geared towards the quarterback. Those numbers... ...are not good enough... ...in the modern day. And now you could say, oh, they're 10-3 though. Yeah, luckily they're 10-3 because of what they're getting from the defense what they're getting getting from Aaron Jones and the one saving grace and I'm not I'm not opening the mic to completely destroy Aaron Rodgers right the one saving grace is that he hasn't turned the ball over much right in those 5 games no interception now I will talk about in Sunday's game against Washington he did fumble inside the 30 which could have led to points nearly right before the half. Green Bay gets the ball to start the second half. Who knows what happens? This game could have been completely different if a couple things went the other way. If Rodgers hits Jimmy Graham, hits Aaron Jones, they score there, no fumble, they score there. It could have been a lot of points. And if all that happens, they blow out the Washington Redskins instead of a 20-15 to win. I can't throw this all on Rodgers though. Again, part of the struggles with Rodgers has to do with the lack of production from the wide receiver position. Every team is going to know what to do with Devontae Adams. Don't let Devontae Adams get going. Double him. Spy him. Do what you need to do. Don't get him going. And I thought Green Bay did a decent job of getting Jimmy Graham involved early in the giving another option. But my God, somebody else do something. MVS had a season-low 10 offensive snaps. At this rate, we may not see MVS season. At this rate, he is playing himself out of Green Bay. Geronimo Allison. Geronimo Allison ends up making a catch. His one catch of the game. Luckily, the play was reviewed, and he was called down because he ends up going down, gets up, Fumbles the ball, the one play, the one play that he, it's not a drop, it's a fumble. Luckily, it was overturned, and he was marked down, but he's another guy that's just been brutal and not dependable. You cannot rely with with guys like that. And, and what do you expect? They're not making it easy on themselves, they're not making easy for Rodgers. At the same time, though, Rodgers isn't making it easy on himself when there are other options available. And I don't know if this also falls, and he deserves some of the heat, Matt LaFleur. I can't tell you the last time I saw a crossing route this season with the Green Bay Packers. It just doesn't exist. And how does offense, on a consistent basis, look good for the first quarter of every game and then just fizzles out? And I was getting a little frustrated at times when the Packers were going three and out in the second half, and Aaron Jones wasn't touching the ball when he's averaging almost 10 yards of carry. You do the math there, it just doesn't make sense. One plus one equals four at that point. What are they doing? I think overall, this is the concern though, is that, yeah, there's still time to figure it out, but time's running out. You have three weeks to figure it out, and after that, if you don't figure it out by that first Puff game, whether you have a, whether you're playing in round one or you get the bye, it's going to be one and done. And that that's the realization. I mean, you look at some of the other teams at Green Bay is—they're going to have probably play if they want to make it to the Super Bowl. The Saints, the 49ers, you're going to need to score points. The offense is going to need to wake up. Okay, Green Bay couldn't score when they went on the road to San Fran. San Fran just had a statement victory coming to New Orleans and taking down the Saints in their own building in an absolute shootout. I don't care that the defense gave up 46 points. What I care about is that Jimmy Garoppolo went head-to-head with Drew Brees, out him, and the 49ers went to win on the road. And guys are stepping up. It's got to get better, and it's got to get figured out sooner rather than later. The saving grace, the big picture, you're a 10-win team. It's tough to complain if you're a 10-team win. But if you want to be next level, things need to change. People need to show up. There has to be some consistency. Alright, before I let you go, my week 14 headlines. Let's run through the NFL. The Atlanta Falcons destroyed the Carolina Panthers 40-20. to Great game by Matt Ryan, who became the 10th quarterback in NFL history to reach 50,000 yards. He also threw a 98-yard bomb, a career-long. He had a career day. And those poor, poor Panthers, no Ron Rivera. First game without Ron Rivera. The Panthers have not been the same without, since, excuse me, haven't been the same since their uh, loss in Green Bay. They're at 5-8 and eight right now. The Baltimore Ravens, they march into Buffalo, beat the Bills 24-17 in what was to me a crucial game for both sides. Um, especially a big road win going into Buffalo, not an easy place, but a big road win for the Ravens, who now sit atop the AFC with their win and a Patriots loss. And for Buffalo, here's another loss. Still a solid team, right? There is no—you you can't just say, "Oh, Buffalo stinks." That—that—that that, that is just asinine. That you, you just can't do it. They're still a nine-win team. They're nine and four, but now you start looking at the losses. Okay, you start looking at who they lost to. The Ravens, good team. The Browns, eh. The Eagles, eh. The Patriots. They're two big losses coming against their best opponents. They're going to be playing great opponents if they could sneak into the postseason. They got to start figuring out a way how to beat those better opponents. Speaking of the Browns, the Cleveland Browns somehow remain in the playoff hunt. They win 27-19 over the Bengals. Despite everything, Cleveland still in the hunt. They are 6-7. and seven. Do I think they're going to make it? I don't think so. I really don't think so, especially since Pittsburgh continues to win and continues to play well. They're on a three-game win streak. And, of course, there's an Odell Beckham Jr. drama. There's been drama all over Cleveland in a year that everyone thought this would be a, a turnaround year, maybe a Super Bowl-bound team, a playoff team. Man. It has been an absolute disgrace for the Cleveland Browns. And it's a shame. It's a shame because you finally think that a terrible organization is going to get it right. And they still haven't been able to get it right. The Vikings, they take care of business. They beat the Lions 20-17. to The poor Lions, who I thought at one point could be the most competitive team in this division the way they started the season. Matt Stafford goes down and they don't look the same. Vikings still stay in the hunt for the NFC North. That matchup against... The Packers in a couple weeks, that's going to mean everything for both of those teams. Talked about it real brief just a few minutes ago. But the 49ers, Saints, this may be game of the year. If you didn't see this game, man, shame on you. Great job for Fox for televising it. I was able to tape the game, watch it after I watched the Packers game. Man, you learned a lot about both of these teams. I don't care. I really don't care that the 49ers gave up 46 points. What I care about is the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo went on a road in a tough environment in that Superdome that not many people could go in, and they and he went toe-to-toe with Drew Brees and took down the Saints 48-46. By the way, who was his best wide receiver? I mean, George Kittle was phenomenal, as always, but who else played a role? Emmanuel Sanders, a guy that they traded for. It, and you see him making an impact and, and you beat, and you're looking, you're looking at at that, and you're saying, why couldn't that be Green Bay? Nope. What did, what do they do? They sign Ryan Grant, who has yet to maybe learn the playbook. Play. I don't know what is going on with him. At this point, it's like you're better off just not even like, you, you cut him because he, his impact, he's made zero, uh, zero impact. So at this point, if you cut him, who cares? He hasn't done any good. He hasn't done any harm. But he clearly hasn't done enough to even step on the field. But what a game, and San Fran continues to to flex on the entire NFL because they're the real deal. The Jets keep winning. They end up uh, hanging on and beating the Dolphins 22-21. The Colts are starting to play bad football at a bad time. They lose on the road. Three straight losses, I believe, for the Colts, and the Bucs end up taking this one 38-35. Winston, 450 yards, slinging the ball Three games left, the Buccaneers could end up being over 500, which is pretty impressive considering how this season and their season overall has been. The Denver Broncos, they may have found their quarterback of the future, and and his name is Drew Locke. Throws for over 300 yards on the road against the Texans, beating them 38-24. This is just a week after the Texans beat the Patriots. What a letdown game. Bill O'Brien... Is Bill O'Brien? I mean, that's what I that's what I have to say when it comes to this one. Uh, he he gets a huge win, and what a letdown. What an absolute de- letdown. Jacksonville, talking about another team with a huge, tremendous letdown. Don't know what is going on. Nick Foles. They get Nick Foles. Here we go. We got a shot. Nick Foles goes down. Minchu Mania. They start winning with Minchu. Alright, maybe we got some momentum. Oh, Nick Foles comes back. What happens? They go on a one, two, three, four, five game losing streak. They end up benching Nick Foles. Minchu gets the nod against the Chargers at home. They get absolutely blown out. 45 to 10. What is going on in Jacksonville? What is going on in Jacksonville? What an utter disgrace that this that season at four and nine. Nobody expected that. Nobody expected that. Everyone pretty much thought, Nick Foles, here's a team, good defense. They're going to get it together. They trade away Jalen Ramsey. It's been a disaster for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Week 14, we got to talk about the hottest team in the NFL, the Tennessee Titans. They go on the road, and they take down the Oakland Raiders 45-21. The Tennessee Titans are 6-1 since week 7 averaging 31.4 points per game ever since Ryan Tannehill took over the starting job over Marcus Mariota. Can you believe that? Ryan Tannehill. Ryan... T- yeah, I'm going to say one more time. Ryan Tannehill is your starting quarterback in Tennessee and they are playing great football. To put in perspective how well Ryan Tannehill has been playing. Okay? Since he took over... He has a better quarterback rating than Drew Brees. More yards than Aaron Rodgers. More touchdowns than Tom Brady. Fewer interceptions than Russell Wilson. Better completion percentage than Lamar Jackson. Folks, we are seeing something magnificent happen in Tennessee. And I'm on on the bandwagon. I wouldn't mind seeing the Titans making some noise. Do I think they will? No, I think they'll eventually come down, um, get smacked with reality. But this has been a hell of a run from Ryan Tannehill. It's like a, a completely new team, a new philosophy. Everything's working. Everybody's getting involved. Derrick Henry is running like crazy. A.J. Brown is is playing outrageous. Another five receptions, 153 yards, two touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill could possibly lead the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South title. Who would have thought that at the beginning of the season? Absolutely no. The Chiefs, their equipment comes late, but that's not a problem. They beat the New England Patriots at Gillette 23-16. to An important game for the, for the Chiefs to go on the road and beat the Patriots. And somehow, someway, their equipment gets shipped to Newark instead of New England. And of course, it ends up happening because it's the Patriots. We never... We never hear of things like this when, you know, the Chiefs are traveling to, uh, let's just say Jacksonville or Green Bay or you name any other place where the Chiefs could be traveling. It doesn't happen, but it happens when they travel to New England. Coincidence. And what was crazy is if the equipment didn't come in on time, they would have had to forfeit the game. That That is the most outrageous thing that I read on the web when I, when I was following this story. A great job by that team coming in and taking care of New England for the first time in a long time. You're starting to see the deficiencies more and more with the New England Patriots. And I'm not going to count them out come the postseason because I know Brady Belichick, you got to give them credit, you got to watch out for them. And this could be a completely new team come postseason, but you're starting to see slowly but surely things are falling apart for this team. But in a week AFC, if they get hot and things start clicking in the postseason, they'll be right back where we're we're used to seeing them this last decade. And finally, the Rams. The Rams somehow stay in the playoff hunt and end the Seahawks' five-game win streak with their 28-12 victory over Seattle. And those are my Week 14 headlines. So that'll wrap up this episode of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. As always... Thank you so much for listening. Continue, continue to listen. If you aren't already subscribing, check us out: SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, all those wonderful podcast platforms. We will be, be we will be back at the end of the week. As always, we will preview um, Green Bay's final home game against the Chicago Bears. I need to come through with a guest. So whether it's a Chicago guy or a Packers guy, I will bring someone on. I promised someone for Washington. I failed there. I still gave you a podcast though. So. But we'll hopefully have someone on. We'll also have my three picks of the week, which, uh, not ideal. Got to win somewhere in there, but we'll have the picks of the week. So make sure you tune in later in the week. Be on the lookout for that podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Joe, double underscore, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And as always, go Pack Up.